What do Cholula and radishes have to do with decision fatigue? Join myself, Brett Hale, host Taylor Lowe, and Ben Glather as we get to the bottom of that mystery. Visit us on boardroom.fm to support the show. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Let's go. Go, go, go. How awesome is Christian Brown's story? Dude, yeah. I don't know it. So he's the guy, he was our rookie. Yep. He won three high school or state high school championships in a row. All right. Went to Kansas, Kansas. won a national championship last year at Kansas. Yep. Drafted to the Nuggets and then wins the NBA finals. Yep. He literally has nothing else to do. Yep. He's just done with basketball. Yeah. He should retire right now. Yeah. He won. Yeah. That's wild. And side note at the, there's a sports um, collectible store and he was over there signing. Are you serious? Yeah. And the line, like I thought about it for about five minutes. The problem was, is that I was thinking about, you know, whether I could go get this autograph, but then I also had to go to Whole Foods to get some groceries. (laughs) Forget the groceries. And then I was trying to think about, you know, should I get Chick-fil-A home? And right about then I... Wasn't sure what to do. Oh, my. So all I could do was leave. And I don't know what kind of caused that, but I just I had all these decisions and thoughts going on in my head. You guys, I mean, Brett, do you know what would make somebody have think about too many different things and kind of almost freeze up? You know, yeah, I do. At, at my house, m- my wife and I both, if somebody asks what's for dinner, we about lose our minds. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we have something called decision fatigue. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting. Yes. And I, this is funny, I, I know we have talked about it quite a bit. I actually thought we not necessarily turned the phrase or made that up ourselves, but it sounded so specific that it really wasn't a thing to me. Mm. And so when I started actually doing research on it, I was like, holy, that is actual thing. And I, I would group it in the burnout category. It's a little different at the same time. Yeah. It, it is similar, but it is different. Yeah. What is your, what is your take, Taylor, on, on what it is? Well, I'd like to start my spiel with uh, a fun fact. Brett, sometimes you ask for if anyone has any fun statistics to start the show yeah, yeah. off with. And my, my research and uh, internet rabbit holes took me down um, to what was the American Medical Association, actually. I was like, well, there's like a whole bunch of stuff here on decision fatigue as like an actual, not like a chronic medical condition, but it's just like, hey, yeah, this is the thing. And in there, I learned that the average American makes over 35,000 decisions a day. And many of them aren't conscious, you know, by the time you've gone to bed, your brain has processed a choice, some choice of some type by like 35,000 times a day, which is just insane. That sounds like a stat. The resumes find 540 years old. (laughs) It's very similar. It's just really hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. Yeah. I tried to like, I looked a little amount around for some other stuff. And um, like the other one I found was like, you make over, Somewhere, somewhere between two and 300 food decisions a day. And you think about that, you're, you're maybe eating, you know, maybe two, three meals a day with some snacks in between, you know, or, you know, whatnot. And you're like, within the scheme of that, you've got like two to 300 little bloop, 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 bloop that are happening 
all through that, which yeah. is just nuts. I believe that. I yeah. believe that. I look at it as about, I don't know, 10 a.m.-ish. Mm-hmm. I think every minute thereafter, I'm probably saying, no, it's not time for a beer yet. <laughs> for the rest of, of the day, yeah, uh, right? Yeah. That, nope. Those add up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, that really makes me want to sit down and, and try not to make a decision just to see if that is painful in some way, right? Yeah. Like well, you're short-circuiting your brain all of a sudden. Yeah. You think about what happened to me this morning. I had a breakfast burrito and there was a packet of delicious Cholula next to said breakfast burrito. And I picked it up and I tried to open it and I tried to open it. And I thought to myself, hmm, I think my hands are too slippery from eating donuts. (laughs) So then I wiped off my hands and I tried to open it. And then I thought, maybe this is a side open packet of Cholula. And I tried to open it and I tried to open it. And then I put it down and I started eating my burrito without Cholula. And then I thought, but I wanted Cholula, so then I had to go find scissors and cut the packet (laughs) open. And then I decided, what do I do? Do I just lay this packet down on my plate, and am I going to just hold it? Because then I cut too big of a thing, so then I just covered my whole burrito in Cholula. I was was curious about your technique when I saw that. I I cut too big of a hole, so I was like, I don't know what to do with this packet. If I set it down, Cholula is going to spill out. So in that little space, I probably made 35 decisions. Yeah, that's quite the journey you took us on. Yeah. <laughs> like, we I watched it happen, and <laughs> you made it seem way more, like, complex than— or No, it was complex, but I'm yeah. just— Yeah. That's, that's a—, that's a that's, 20 seconds in the <laughs> in the brain of Ben right there. That's how that goes down. That's funny. Break it down to micro decisions. Uh, it's not opening. Ben, try again. Yeah. It's still not opening. Ben. Try it again. <laughs> it's not opening, Ben. Ben, wipe off your hands. That's how that went. I, so I probably make 100,000 decisions a day. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. I, want, I wonder if the complexity of decisions plays into this at all, or it's just a, a sheer amount of numbers that add up. Let's roll back to just a bit. What's what, like define decision fatigue? Did anybody find like a definition? Yeah, I'll jump into that too, because it was also American Medical Association. So the definition, according to Dr. McLean at AMA, she's a psychiatrist, I think it's a she, um, the idea that after making many decisions, your ability to make more and more decisions over the course of the day becomes worse. The more decisions you have to make, the more fatigue you develop and the more difficult it can become. When we talk about the ability to make the decision, Mm -hmm. does that mean sometimes it's not a binary thing, right? Right. I made a decision. Sometimes there's some outcome that can be based on the the billions of options you have Mm -hmm. for the decision. Yeah. So one other thing that I kind of looked into, and this is from a different article, HBR. I I like me my Harvard Business Review when I can get get some. Yep. Um, Article called How to Stop Overthinking. Mm. And they they paint this picture of when when you come to the decisions, whether it's binary or otherwise, one of the things that I think we, we run into is, and we don't think about it this way, but it's perfectionism. Because we all know, you hear the term perfectionism, you're like, yeah, perfect, perfect isn't a real concept. It's not something we should strive for. I'm not trying to be perfect. But what, what, what they're getting at is your perfectionism is the same thing as trying to make the right decision. This idea that there is a right decision decision and therefore all other decisions are wrong is what really weighs on like your brain and when you're trying to make a decision it's like you've got this you kind of approach it with this all or nothing mentality almost by default sometimes 
And that's where that fatigue element comes in is because you're, you feel like you've got to make the right call. When so in reality, the, there's lots of right calls. The paralysis by analysis almost. Yeah, exactly. Or, or the other fun one that's don't, don't let uh, perfect be the enemy of done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, which, you know, that, that it hit me. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not trying to be perfectionist, but yeah, I try to make right decisions. And, right. But you're like, oh shit. Oh wait. If it isn't, if this is a right decision and that means all other decisions are wrong, that's had my brain you know going all morning i'm like yeah trying to decide what shirt to put in i'm like there's no right decision just pick a shirt tailor like right. <laughs> taking that example i was thinking about shopping actually similar but the weather matters it does matter which shirt you pick you grab like a turtleneck on a summer day you're not yeah. going to be a happy camper that's true that's true so that that's a com- complexity thing of like what information do i know how does that weigh into the decision mm-hmm. and, and obviously like the the consequences of the decision matter. Like what are the, what's the worst outcome, which is probably where we spend a lot of our time, the fear and uncertainty, yep. trying to avoid the worst case scenario versus making sure something mm-hmm. just good happen. Here's another thing, just while we're talking worst case scenario that also came out of the HBR paper, it's called the 10-10-10 exercise. Uh-huh. And so you're supposed to picture the worst case scenario and then think about it going wrong, okay. your, your decision, and it goes just as terribly as you can imagine. Think about how you'll feel in 10 weeks and 10 months and then 10 years. And that, based on how you feel, like with each of those, can kind of help you calibrate how much energy and effort should I make in this decision. 10 weeks, 10, 10 months, 10, weeks, 10 years. 10, yep, exactly. So, Ben, you told us earlier you had made a decision <laughs> to build a birdbath. Yes. How does that make you feel in 10 weeks, uncertainty-wise? Uncertainty-wise? Is it is this the exercise, the, yeah, the, no, the fears and uncertainty in 10 weeks? Well, I, I'd add this. You make a birdbath, and then it falls apart. Falls apart, say, in a week. So that's the worst case scenario. That's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you build a bird bath and it falls yeah. apart. Okay. What if the birds well, hate no. your bird bath? Well, I don't know. There's also the scenario, what if the birds see it as like a tiny gladiator place and start killing each other? That's true. Now you have a bird graveyard, yeah. just carcasses around your, your bath. Two birds, one stone bird bath. <laughs> the worst case scenario is I would be sad that my bird bath was a failure. In 10 weeks? In 10 weeks, okay. I would throw it away. Okay. And then how do you feel in 10 months? Would you, would you be upset in 10 weeks about any monetary loss? No, no, I guess maybe that it was, I guess the sadness would be that I failed. Yeah, you okay. failed. You wouldn't be sad that you tried, though. You I wouldn't would, be sad that I tried, You would view no. it as a waste of time. No. In 10 weeks, would you pick up the project again and do it over? No. Okay. All right. 10 months. 10 months, I might just start having some regret that my bird bath that I made the year before yeah. wasn't operational for this upcoming year. Do you think you would want to try again at that point? Or would, you, would you be like, oh, maybe this would be different? <laughs> that time I I might want, I, I think I would try again. The failure would come rushing back in for <laughs> yeah. the next yeah. summer. And I might be a little scared. Like, but I, I'm going to put a cage over it. Yeah. Like thunder, it'll be a Thunderdome style. Like, <laughs> yeah. Two birds enter. <laughs> One bird leaves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In 10 years, and, you're like, and in 10 years, I made a bird bath. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> or you're like, son, <laughs> I bestow upon you this my bird, bird bath in, in my father's birdhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Go forth and take care of the birds. Yeah. <laughs> Go forth and populate birds. I love that. That's an interesting exercise. That um, is. 
I think I think you'd have to shorten it for most. Th- I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, like ten days. I ten, the ten ten hours. Ten minutes. Ten yeah. hours. I yeah. like I like yeah, kind of just shifting it days, months, or days, weeks, months. Because yeah. like ten years, it's like who thinks about anything in the scheme of ten years now? Yeah. Maybe if like big business decisions. Yeah, right? like but, like moving or you know yeah, hey, I'm gonna move move to Ireland or yeah. something. But like a, like a merger and acquisition, right? Like mm, mm-hmm. ten years. How that how might this be? But yeah, building the birth bed probably <laughs> not gonna yeah not gonna matter. If I were to require the people at my company to to come back mm-hmm. in person full time. That's a good. That's a good one. I, I can see how that applies, like the the long term ramifications and working through. Not to to beat a dead horse about complexity, but that feels like that. You know, the more complex the decision, the longer lasting the consequences will be. Maybe or not even necessarily right. If I decided to murder somebody, oh my, this show is taking a dark turn. We're bur- gladiator yeah, we go. Now, I'm just now murder. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going into a crazy scenario where it's like it's a quick decision, simple. Yeah, right? murder someone, don't murder somebody. <laughs> pretty, pretty binary. Right? <laughs> and so th- the time frame really doesn't matter. Ten days, you're like, ah. I might feel bad about myself as a human being. 10 weeks, yeah, I, I feel bad about myself and I'm in jail. 10 years, I'd feel really bad. Yeah, now you've been in jail for all this time. and I would be re- rehabilitated even. Yeah, and you'd still feel bad. And I'd still yeah. be a murderer. You'd still be in jail. Yeah. A murderer. <laughs> well, you know, what, what I was read, when I was thinking about this and reading about it, to your point is... You know some of these bigger decisions, and and I think some of the the biggest issue I found with this uh, decision fatigue is that you're not necessarily aware that it's happening, right? And then you might have decision fatigue and make a hasty, not thought through decision. Yeah. So when you start talking about mergers and acquisitions and return to work, or even or hiring somebody, right? Oh, like yeah. using potentially outdated mode of, you know, looking over resumes and, and how do we determine who the best person is mm-hmm. when all of a sudden you are sitting there at 4 p.m. on Thursday and you said, all right, I'm going to make a decision and give somebody an offer letter on Friday. If you're suffering decision fatigue, you actually might not be in the right mind space or fully in capable sound mind yeah, of, of making the best choice. Yeah. But you've set this deadline up and you've pushed this to the limit where now you're making a choice. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff we talked about where, you know, Brett, you gave a funny example, you know, with you and your wife about, you know, dinner and can't make a decision. But now put that to something real like hiring or firing or, you know, whatever. When I was researching this and thinking about it, that that's what I came to is I'm like, holy cow, this plays a big role in all of our lives. And we don't talk about it. You just hit a vein with me that I didn't even consider until this moment, thinking through decisions that my leaders have made in my career that have affected me. Whereas let's just say decision fatigue played a part in it. They made a poor decision. They opt, make another decision to save face rather than the correct decision and start, you know, the throwing good money after bad, however you want to phrase it. But that to me, that's a very powerful thought. It's got my gears turning too. Also from American Medical was they they paint this picture of and it was actually a strategy. They were they they kind of suggested to help fight it. Think about the timing of your decisions. And they said you want to save your big decision making for the morning. You're fresher. You got a limited bucket of willpower or decision making ability, right? You want to do it when it's maxed out, right? But willpower is definitely finite. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. they're like, morning is for big decision making. 
the afternoon is kind of like a plateau zone where your decisions are maybe a little bit more intuitive. Yeah, you're, you're, you are putting some analysis into it, but your bucket's depleted. And then by the evening, you're impulse mode, right? Like it's just your impulses kind of make all your decisions and, and kind of driving you. And so it makes me think about that in the context of reviewing resumes. Then you you threw that example out. Wow, I wonder when hiring managers are looking at these things and reading these things. And is that having an impact on whether they're pushing a candidate forward or not, or how many candidates they think they're going to go after or, you know, kind of look into? And the timing of decisions is is another thing to factor into how taxing it could be, not just the quantity, but it's like a decision in the, the same decision in the morning and the evening, probably you might have different different outcomes. Through the hiring lens too, I, I can think of plenty of times where I've had back-to-back-to-back interviews, mm-hmm. three hours straight of interviews. That candidate at the, the end is not getting a fair shake. Mm. Uh, or I shouldn't say that. They're not getting the best of me that the first person was as far as questions go. Yeah. And I can almost guarantee you there's hard questions that you have to ask in interviews mm-hmm. that I might avoid towards the end versus mm-hmm. ask them, which could lead to disastrous consequences True. as far as hiring goes. You know, it's funny, the flip side of that, as I've been a candidate who's been doing a lot of interviewing with interviews in like several in a day or kind of back to back. Yeah. I always find my best interviews at the end. Really? Yeah. And I think it's because like... Impulse. It's impulse. It's just like... Muscle memory. I'm not going to... Yeah. I'm not going to pick of the many stories or instances you want me to answer. I'm just going to like whatever my gut's like. And those are the like the ones that flow the best. I just yeah. I just find that funny. Yeah. <laughs> you're unguarded. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're unguarded. You're your authentic self at the end of the... Yeah. You can't really help but be the authentic <laughs> self. Yeah. Like, I can't stop it from happening. Uh, <laughs> hey... Hey, interviewer, this, just by the way, I'm at a state of decision fatigue, so you're going to get the most authentic me you've ever seen. That's mm-hmm. right. That's yeah. pretty cool. Buckle up. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you say that. I would say at the, you know, at the end of, you know, back-to-back interviews on the interviewer side, I probably lean into the social conversational side and probably learn more personally about a person than I would at the beginning as well. So many of these things that we deal with on a, on every a personal, professional, an individual, personal relationship, you know, I, I mean, all these, it's really tough to give every decision the proper amount of, of thought and care and knowing that a good chunk of them are coming out just from impulse and quite frankly and you know using the interviewer thing your example there i mean after three hours of interviewing you're maybe okay i I don't want to ask business decisions anymore right i want to talk in a different manner so it just automatically changes it up yeah and and it doesn't mean it's wrong it's just different different Different. this is such a great conversation i'm like thinking of all the podcasts we've done so far Mm -hmm. through this lens of like just this decision (laughs) fatigue yeah the four-day work week why is that productive? Well, you're taking a whole day of decisions off somebody's plate. 35,000. 35,000 just gone. So yeah. does that make the other ones inherently better or the the ability to make those better because you're not trying to cram them in in a short amount of time and keep going? You know, obviously burnout's an easy one. Yep. The, the VUCA. VUCA. 
VUCA and decision fatigue, you think of ch- change and uncertainty, the amount of decisions, we've talked about how information flows faster than ever before at us, requires just constant decision making based on on the information flow. Yeah. Throw a pandemic on the top of that. There's no question that decision fatigue, you have to start making decisions about how to move around the world now. Yeah. Where can I go? Where can I go? What's open? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Yeah. Get a vaccine? Who am I with? Do yeah. they Are they safe? What happens if you things know, go wrong? Or am I going to see my mom this week? Because yeah. then I have to like not see anybody else. Boiling all these issues during the pandemic down to simple stuff like uh, remote work, call people back to the office or productivity. It, it just erases so much hardship that we're dealing with now. It's just from a dis- pure decision standpoint, it's blowing my mind right yeah. now. Yeah, no, there's there's so much that, especially when things are different, or I think the VUCA example is really on point, right? Where you get used to a level, right? We all have our level of like what we can manage and what we can do. Mm-hmm. And then you're forced to tackle something that's just super huge and on top of what you have to do in a normal day. And I think for me, what's jumping out too is I'm currently in a state of being un- unemployed and I have a lot of time on my hands. And so, you know, it's kind of funny. I have conversation with people and they're like, oh yeah, you're liking the time off. Is it great? And you know, what are you doing with your time? And I, I have different responses, you know, based on how I'm feeling. But like a lot of the time I'm like, I'm actually going insane because right. do I work out right now? Do I go to the grocery store? Do I, um, you know, work on the podcast? Do I walk my dogs, you know, should I do some, lo- like, it's like all these, it's it's literally decision fatigue. It didn't hit me until like just recently, but I'm like, wow, shit. Like one of the things that's like actually really draining in this moment in, in my life where I have a lot of time is just the fact that I have so many things that I could be working on. And it's, it's fucking exhausting. Just the high level of ambiguity about yeah, time. All the time. Um, and, and that's an interesting way to put it, right? Like work. What does work do? It might put a guardrail around the decisions you have to make so you know you're swimming in a lane. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the other strategies that came up as I was doing research was, and it was consistent, but it's habit, habit forming, like routines, you know? Yeah. And all routines and habits are doing is instilling practices in your body and your brain that remove decisions. That's all it is. It's a habit. You're going to do it. You've done it and it's automatic. And you are literally taking the tax off of your brain of having to make decisions on whether you will or won't do it. And, to, and you know, you know, again, you know, kind of connecting the dots for me personally, I'm a very routinized person. Like I love my routines and my habits. And so now that I don't really have that structure day in, day out or in some type of a flow, it, it's up and down with like how I, how I'm able to manage that. That's interesting. And you know, I, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about when sometimes when you have me personally have like anxiety about a decision, mm-hmm. it's the flip flop. You end up making the same decision 10 times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, should I go to the gym now? I don't know. I I go at noon and you start, well, I'll go now. Ah, shoot. This is going to happen. Let's go at noon. And, and you flip flop so many times that, you know, you end up, uh, you know, working yourself into a, yeah. a tizzy. Yeah. It's, it's the same. It's, I think they, I, I read it was something called like second guessing decisions, yeah. right? Where it's like, don't make a decision. Don't second guess it because the moment you start doing that, you're adding extra decisions onto decisions you already made. It yeah. <laughs> feels like you can gamify this. Everybody had like a counter above their head. Like, <laughs> yeah. And just watch somebody get stuck in a, like a, a state where it's just the decisions are going crazy. And you're ding, like, ding, yeah, absolutely. Brett, have you ever thought about decision fatigue before today? 
No, I just what I was saying earlier. I didn't. I didn't really. Outside of us talking about the dinner thing for us, I mean, because that that's very real for us, and it feels silly. But at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is try to like narrow down dinner options. There's so many options, and then it's like, well, that cascades into, well, do we have all the stuff here? Do do I need to go to the store? How are we going to do this? And literally in preparation for this show, I was like, what if we just said we wake up, we say, here's what we're going to have for dinner. Then I don't even need to worry about it at that point, mm-hmm. right? This might be a, a routine or a discipline thing, but sometimes I wake up, grab my phone, yeah. and boom, it's off to the races. The important decisions aren't getting me made starting there. I'm probably just reacting to stuff that's just catch-up work that I can do later. So prioritizing that type of input, protecting myself seems more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Good point. Do you sleep with your phone? It's next to my bed, but I, it's on, I think at 10 o'clock it goes on to, I don't even get notifications after 10. But it's very easy to grab it yeah. and look at it. Yeah. I don't, I'm pretty good until I wake up. Yeah. As soon as I wake up, it's in my hand. Okay. Where's your phone, Ben? Downstairs. Good job. Yeah. Good job. You use your wife's phone? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, because I- a secret I, phone under the bed he's stashed. I had to plug it in downstairs because I fail. Is that a, just at the end of the night getting caught doom scrolling, if you will, or- Yeah, more? well, or just, and, and I try to give myself a little bit of time in the morning before, without having that be the first thing. I don't think that there's any benefit, and I mean any benefit, to getting- News from friends, real news, anything, work work news, work alerts, e- even a best friend, you know, saying hello. I, I just, I don't think there's any benefit to that being the first thing you look at. What if I sent you a text that said, I love you, Ben? Wouldn't that feel good to wake up to? Well, now that would warm my heart and fill my cup. <laughs> but that makes me, immediately I just start thinking external things, Yeah. right? Instead of just... Waking up and being, you know, I, and I do a little bit of routine in the morning, but I'm just saying, but also like waking up and like having some gratitude and being like, okay, yeah. like here's what today is going to bring for me and, and think a little bit and, and whether or not to have a beer. Well, yeah. And damn, and what's funny though, is that <laughs> it actually right there, there's a real funny, you know, you, you say that and I, yeah. and I'd immediately be like, huh, man. Maybe we should have a beer today. Yeah. And now and now that the, the counter starts and all those things. So I think you're on to something. I don't I wanna do some homework after the show because I think there are signs behind what you're saying. I don't think it's just what you're thinking. I think there's real evidence that the phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night is not good for you. There is. Yeah. There is. And I what's hard is like a lot of the things that I read and look at are not necessarily um i'm not sure what to say friendly. like well no no work I was, friendly <laughs> I, like sciencey right like it's, like, it's somebody that's like kind of like hey we we did this study yeah. right or or we talked to some people or we think this right i i always bring it back to almost like a weight loss thing am i to give taylor to to expand upon your puzzled look on your face at me is i think everyone knows how to lose weight Mm-hmm. The same thing doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, true. And it's not about the science. It's about literally what would work for you, would not work for me, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think some of the stuff that I talk about is kind of the same way. And when you find something that works for you, yeah. then you've just got to glob onto it. Yeah. That links decision-making habits, yep. that that all comes together in what you just said. Yeah. Let me make sure I understand because losing weight, I think for the most part, there's a framework that works. The, the science, there's a, a science piece that works. Everybody 
could do that to lose weight. So what you're arguing, though, that framework isn't necessarily approachable to everybody at where they are in their life. What I'm saying, I know how to lose weight. I could go do it right now if I had the willpower. But, and, and and that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. It's is just that, yeah, there, there is like a factual, like, do this. And again, and, and it's funny because it's also bleeding in with decision fatigue is, but then there's habits. Yeah. When you have a habit of doing something that goes against that, mm-hmm. that it's really hard. And, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that, so it's not necessarily a, a one size fits all solution for everybody. It's probably a little bit harder to prove through like a, a true medical condition, scientific. If you make 1000 decisions, your 1000 and one, th- one decision will be, will will get less attention than the first 1000 or, or something like that. There's no doubt in my mind that there is a path to help walk you down to to make this a little bit better for you. Yeah. Well, you think about on the same theme, any structured diet out there that you can think of. And so like I think of Weight Watchers, you know, I know a little bit this my mom does it and they're removing decisions that you have to make by giving assigning points to everything and saying by the end of the day you should not exceed your point total of x whatever it is, right? And then these are the, like any food this is the point, individual points it will have. And so what they're doing is they're eliminating the complexity or reducing the complexity around what is your calorie intake? What are your, how much fat are you getting? What's your protein, you know, intake? You know, what do the carbs look like? Your sugars and all that stuff. You know, I think things like, like paleo, same thing. It's like, you know, you're trying to lose weight or to live a certain way. These are allowed and these are not allowed. So each, each these diets for the same thing are all, let's remove the amount of decisions you have to individually make to to make this thing more approachable, this goal that you're after more approachable. What I'm thinking now is food prepping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That removes almost every decision you have to make around food. Yep. Uh, Weight Watchers is probably a step in between that and just, you yep. know, ad hoc food thought. And we do HelloFresh too, which is, yeah. you know, we still have to cook it. It's almost like food prep, but we sit down and decide what we're going to eat three yeah. days a week, get the box in, and we know that's taken care of, that decision's made. Yeah. So that's interesting. And like I'm tying this in my head to entrepreneurship right now and problems that you want to solve and pain points Mm -hmm. for customers and new products and all that. Mm -hmm. There's probably a really good smoke test for ideas of just to say, as far as decision fatigue goes, how does this idea play into that? Does Mm -hmm. it? Does it make it worse? Does it help it? It's a very easy test that I think almost always you would want there to be less decisions made. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to thinking that you you have to make the right decisions, right? There's probably a lot of right decisions, probably a lot of wrong decisions, right? And there's a blending of it. But I think what you're saying is exactly right, is how do we in a business setting or when we're trying to tackle so many problems in entrepreneurship, find ways to focus on the big thing, spend your energy there, do the right amount of analysis around it, and then make you know, decisions, you know, forward as well. I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. Something else that is jumping out to me in response to that is this thing that I, I read about in, as I was doing research, uh, it's called Parkinson's law. I never heard of this, but as soon as I read about it, I'm like, oh yes, this is a very real thing. And Parkinson's law states that work will expand into the amount of time we allow it, regardless of how long the task actually should take. So think about it like this. If you've got a presentation to build at work and you say, okay, I'm going to give myself a month, like the deadline is a month. It's going to take you a month 
to make that presentation. When in reality, when you put it together and you t- you total all the time, probably took you a couple of days or a week or something like that. Right. And so it leaves me wondering, you know, how do we, and, and we were talking about this offline, but to bring it back in, you know, when you've got decisions that are multifaceted, complex, you need to make many decisions for say a project or something that's like kind of a bigger initiative, right? Something that's in the horizon. How do you break it down in a way that doesn't add too many decisions, but it's getting you to the right level of decision-making. So I've been merging like that Parkinson's law of, hey, if we're gonna get, we have anything to do, whatever amount of time we allow for it, that's, that's the time it's gonna take. Plus the, how do we, you know, tackle big projects, big initiatives that have many decisions that go into it. Your project management showing. You just blew my mind. Yeah? You really did. Mm. It's totally, uh, I do that all the time. That's awful. (laughs) And I was going to say the the negative effect of that is it contributes to burnout and overwhelm. Because instead of finishing something, you you might now have six or seven things that that are occupying cognitive space in your head. Yeah. 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 And it, it gets back a little bit to what, you know, I, I was saying this about like the, like hiring somebody. You say, oh, hey, I'll, I'll make a decision on that. I'll, I'll let you know Friday morning. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And so then what do you do? You ruminate on it all week. And because you've given yourself all this, I do that to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I overthink about it and do this and, and unknowingly end up creating more time, energy, decisions, what, you know, all, all the things that are tied into that. Yep. To things that don't need that much time. Absolutely. And for some reason, I, man, I'm, I, yeah, you literally blew my mind. Like I'm sitting there, I, I do that all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll I'm, make that choice by Friday. Th- thinking that I'm doing myself a favor mm-hmm. and yeah. it's I'm like not. A, it's like a time credit card where you're it like, is. I'm not going to pay now. Yeah. But I'm going to pay in six easy installments. Exactly. Oh. Which You'll means I'm going to. I'm going to. interest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, at 25%. <laughs> Holy cow. Man, there's your book. We've got a couple ideas from Brett and now Taylor. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I do it all the time too. I read that and you just had to like look at myself in the mirror for a bit. And like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. What for something just to add to, to help you out, you know? Uh-huh. And, and I don't know, like, I'm still thinking about this for myself, but a tip that the, this is out of the same HBR article, how to stop overthinking. So I'll share it with you and we'll put it in the show notes as well. So folks can access it. One of the tips was, you know, instead of giving yourself deadlines for objectives or tasks, you set yourselves deadlines for making the choice. So like, instead of saying, I'm going to finish this by, by X amount of time, try to put it out of your mind and just say, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with this by X date, right? And then as soon as you make the decision, it kind of becomes just execution. So instead of thinking, oh, what's the priority? How do I juggle this? Like, oh yeah, I'll have t- more time for this next week. Try to put all that out of your head and as soon as you know you do something, just say, look, I've got time on the calendar, Wednesday at noon. I'm gonna choose what to do about this then and just keep going about what you were gonna do ahead of time. So I'm okay. still thinking about how I would actually execute that in real life, but the punchline is don't set deadlines for the thing, set deadlines for your choices. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you have an example that you've used to think through this? An example, not not really, like I've, I've been trying, but if I were to try to spitball one out loud, I think about the presentation. I've had to make many presentations in my professional right. life. And, and typically the things that are being requested, right? So I'll have a supervisor, Taylor, can you present on this initiative at the quarterly stand-up in two weeks? And I'll say yes. 
So there's your deadline. You got two weeks, right? But I've got my day job. I've got other things to manage. I've got my outside life. So instead of saying, okay, I've got two weeks to do this, I'll budget an hour or a week or, you know, whatever, or an hour a day or something on this. I just as soon say, look, I'll put this decision off on, on terms of like how I'll build this presentation, how much time it's going to take, whatever. I, I know it's not going to take me two weeks, but I'm going to decide everything on Friday, right? I'm going to just like let this week go by and on Friday, I'll make a choice on how I decide to execute this whole thing. And then from there, you know, I can kind of maybe map something out in terms of the content or make a framework and then just start to execute. But I know it's not a great example, but I'm, I'm, I'm still working through yeah. like, how do I make cho deadline choices instead of task deadline? Uh, deadlines for tasks. Yeah. yeah. This feels a little bit like agile methodologies where, yeah. I mean, you, you typically, what you're going to do is, is if you have a sprint in the tech world, it's like a period of time, uh, two weeks, for example, where you're like, here's, here's all the tasks that we want to try to get done in this two weeks. Everything else we know we have to get to, but it's going to sit in some lower fidelity state mm -hmm. where we haven't like made the decisions of how to do things. We just know that thing has to get done. Mm -hmm. But what we're deciding on right now is here are the top 10 priority things we're going to do right now. We're going to figure out how to get that done and then we're going to adjust later. But that's a very process heavy way to think at least. Mm -hmm. At least for me making decisions, it, I'm trying to think practically through how I could uh, apply that to just even making decisions at work. And I don't, I don't know. It's a, well, I, I think the problem. example you use right there though, is, is also many decisions, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're making, if you're trying to build a, a two week sprint for your employees, you know, and, and, and all the things that are going to get accomplished. I mean, that's a lot of decisions Yeah. versus maybe saying, Hey, we've got a two week sprint coming up. I'm going to give myself until Tuesday to decide what the, you know, like, like what those topics are, and then taking it off in bite-sized chunks, knowing that you'll still have lots of decisions around it every chunk of time, right? Right. Then something you said just clicked in my brain. I think I think the objective here is it's almost like you're gonna go through the same process. You're gonna make the same amount of decisions, but it's almost like you're deciding not to spend the energy on that until you you, you need to or you're ready to, right? More like a brain hack. Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. This mm -hmm. is a brain hack. I mean, a lot of that is brain hacks, right? Or a lot of what we talk about has to be brain hacks. It's because we're never ever going to be able to keep up with demands all the time. So totally. no, but if you're if you're putting some thought into how to think, meta, then maybe you know you can move yourself along a little bit faster. So Brett Taylor gave some really mind blowing thoughts there on this. What did your research drum up about decision fatigue? One of the the funniest things I came across is not even necessarily funny, but it's it's fun to read. Um, there was a study, I think it was in the 90s, by this guy named Bauermeister, and he had a study of 67 people, threw them in a room with freshly baked cookies, and then they said basically, you guys can eat these, uh, you guys can't eat these, and but you can eat radishes. Right. And so he created this really weird atmosphere where people had to abstain and make the decision not to eat the cookies over and over. The ones that ate the radishes actually resented the fact that they ate radishes and wanted the cookies even more. There was even fun stories in the article, which I'll put in the show notes about people staring at the glass like longingly for cookies because they're like, oh, radishes. But at the end of this, what they didn't know is they threw some puzzles at them. And the people that had to abstain from eating the cookies 
Even worse, the ones that ate the radishes, the ones that couldn't eat the cookies had uh, more trouble doing the puzzles at the end of the day because they have spent so much time and energy not eating cookies. Making that actual decision sums up a lot of things we talked about. It includes food. You know, if you think about it, the end of your business day, all the decisions you make, and I'm going to bring this back to me and my wife. When I do that. I walk upstairs, fresh out of work. What's for dinner? I'm like, oh my God, I I don't care. Just throw something in my mouth. <laughs> Tell me what to do. I'll make dinner. I'd rather make dinner than have to make this decision right now. Right. And she feels the same way. So it's, we've come to a, an agreement that we try not to ask that question. That's so fun. It's a taboo topic. Do it not, is. Don't ask and, that. It's something so simple, right? And you think about how this decision fatigue can really affect all parts of your life and the pandemic, all of a sudden there's a lot more decisions. Maybe there's more stress and you're running out of your finite willpower at noon. Yep. You can't even make it through a full day of work, yep. right? So what does that mean for a business? Mm -hmm. You can't just say productivity is down right now, 85, you know, to 85% and it's due to remote work. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. Yeah. How do you actually address that as a business? So the first thing that I wonder with that question is actually another question and it is who is making decisions and how is that spread out amongst the organization i'm gonna kick this one to ben because i'm i'm a little fatigued at the moment that's so funny yeah <laughs> no i would love ben's take on this and what i'm getting at ben is like the theory the hypothesis in my head is that the people making decisions aren't plentiful enough not for lack of having people to make decisions but for not having maybe that trust or level of delegation granted throughout an entire organization is your decision making too concentrated yeah i would think about that uh, frame that as are people empowered to make decisions mm -hmm. and if power uh, if people are empowered to make decisions then they don't have to ask so many questions if you have a a line of 10 people right and if if every person is kicking x number of questions up the chain you, you can see you you end up getting a an overload there right so i i think a lot of it would be, uh comes down to the fact that people are not empowered to make decisions. The other thing I think about is that when you get into maybe a decision fatigue situation. Real quick, you, when you say empowerment, are you saying people aren't delegating decisions well enough? I think maybe the the an organization, like the whole structure, people are, are not allowed or maybe don't feel safe to make decisions. Okay. So then it becomes a very top-down culture where... Yep. Okay. And, and then they, of course, are pushing, hey, boss, I don't know what to do here. And they kick it up where they probably do know what to do. Right. And if they were empowered, they could just do it. Right. As decision fatigue sets in, then people also, the other problem is, is even if they are empowered, they start to second guess themselves, mm -hmm. flip flopping, get scared. And then what happens? You either do one of two things. You either push your decision out, which just makes it worse. Or maybe, you know, and Brett, you said this earlier, you know, throwing good money after bad. You maybe make a poor decision, but again, you're, uh, I, I, I don't want to, but you're bought in at that yeah, point. Yeah, you're, you're bought in and you don't want to admit that you screwed up. And especially, you know, like talking in the, in the form of like you hired somebody and a weekend, you're like, oh man, I made a poor decision. And instead of just addressing that within a week, you, well, too late now. Here we go. It's a game of poker at that it point. Is. You're like, and ah, I anted in. I'm a, 
and I gotta and, chase them. And here we go. Yeah. So I don't think there's any easy answers. I mean, I think this no. is a very complex, and I think we had kind of talked about it and thought about it, and then how much this conversation has kind of opened my eyes to how big the situation is mm-hmm. and how I am making it exponentially worse for yeah. myself. Mm. That Cholula packet got you, huh? It did. <laughs> And I gotta, that I was gotta, some hot sauce, man. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta really think. I'm, I'm really gonna spend some time thinking about this for my own life because I'm, I'm disturbed on how much time <laughs> I've spent Kicking pushing decisions down the road. Here's a book recommendation, real quick, before, uh-huh. for Please. for you and for our listeners mm-hmm. that I recommend, and I, I use this, and I, I found it to be very helpful. It's uh, called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And it kind of is a, it addresses a couple of issues. It's not just about helping you make decisions, but it really provides a, it provides a new kind of like process for how you can help make your decisions, you know, through not just work, but life. And so um, totally recommend it. It's, it's a really good read, but if you're if you're getting ready to do some introspection, it might yeah. it might help. Okay. So Brett, do you have any input or or helpful tips on how to address decision fatigue? You know, I don't. I'm gonna cop out a little bit on a common answer. In this situation, you almost have to lean into empathy. Whereas as a leader of a company, you have to understand if willpower is finite, energy is finite at the end of the day, and you want people at your best, you have to pay attention to their meters. You have to allow them to do things that fill their cup, be it go to a Nuggets parade or some special event, take a day off, take them out to to lunch and just talk about something different. We have to be better about doing that in general. Otherwise, we're going to keep the pedal on the gas and we're just going to burn the engine out over and over again mm-hmm. and wonder why we spend so much money at the at the car shop. Mm-hmm. You know, and what jumps out for me, I love that, Brett, and I like want to double down on that chain of thought. I also want to encourage and something that as, as like a board member, I would um, try to stress is it's it's important to delegate and spread decisions. And and Ben, you you kind of mentioned this earlier. It's up to an organization to help instill a culture of trust to be able to do that and almost teach employees and, and team members how to make decisions. It's, it's, not, it's not even just enough to have the culture of we trust you to make this decision. What this conversation is really highlighting for me is you, you kind of have to help those people and, and employees essentially develop strategies around making decisions, right? Understand that there's not just one right answer. There's probably many. And so don't fatigue yourself on trying to get it right. This resonates so well with me. Just sorry to interrupt. No. I have been in this place in my career where it's, I want more responsibility. I'm ready for more responsibility. And somebody says, fine, it's yours. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? Like, that's it? It's just my responsibility now with yeah. With no training, no thought process, and that decision-making at that point is full of fear and anxiety. Absolutely, right? Which brings its, I mean, you're going to extend that, but just imagine the fatigue level of that person who just got that, and now they're overanalyzing everything, and they're, again- Spinning out of control. It's almost like a personal pandemic, if you will, of a sort, like (laughs) of a very minor sense, right? Like it's this huge thing that just got dropped on your shoulders- in addition to all the stuff you do normally in a day, and now you've got all these extra things to decide. So it's important to hand that down. I think it's great for development and great for culture. We've got to do better at when we're handing that down, help coach 
how to make sure that that load isn't so massive and that it's more manageable. It will be more, but here's how you can manage it better and and teach you how to make decisions more effectively. Once again, we suck at developing people. We do. Ben, any closing thoughts? I want to challenge everyone to think about the volume of decisions they're making a day. If nothing else, maybe acknowledge that we are doing more and thinking more than we than we should sounds weird to say it that way but seriously i mean i i think we're we're uh, we're putting maybe too much thought and too many decisions into things yeah. you, you're you're saying avoid some self-inflicted wounds yes think yeah. about parkinson's law think about the 10 10 10 exercise we did earlier yep. right to kind of help yeah. like i love that There you go, folks. Another one's in the books. Subscribe if you like the show. Otherwise, support us on boardroom.fm. Have a great rest of your day.